Welcome to the Green Data Center Podcast, Season 2, January 2022. Because it is a new year, we're going to review the past trends of 2021, as well as everyone likes to make future trends towards 2022. We'll review what some of those might be and see what's happened over the last couple of years versus what we might see over the next couple. Since this also marks a new month, We'll review some of the news that's been happening over the last month or so and what's been happening in the data center world. As we're planning out 2022, there are a number of conferences that are going to be happening, either virtually or in person, depending on the conditions and where they stand. But I'm going to walk through some of the top ones I'm looking forward to attending. Also see the website, greendatacenterman.com, to get in touch with us, as well as see some links to articles and courses on udemy.com. First off, a few legal disclaimers. We need to make sure that this is understood as a podcast is not reflecting any representation of any business. It's basically an opinion of somebody that happens to be working in the data center industry. It does not reflect anything on any companies whatsoever. It's just a lot of news that's out there and there's going to be companies mentioned, but it is not an endorsement of them or their products or anything that they're about. Next thing to mention is that this is season two. We took a break, about uh, four weeks actually, of a break for this podcast. Revamped a few things, including uh, some of the the notes, um, added team members, and kind of started to sift through what the larger program for the entire year is going to be. So hopefully you'll see a lot of things there, but it by no means is solid. So if you have a question or anything like that, feel free to go ahead and ask. Visit the website again, greendatacenterman.com. Go ahead and subscribe here as well. I need to say that more as a reminder. And make sure that you are getting the latest in the data center industry. And we'll try to bring that to you every week, uh, hopefully throughout the rest of 2022. Even though this podcast is very broad in a lot of ways, we certainly have the ability to dive deep into any particular subject. So instead of flying over something and looking at it from above, we can look at it with a lot of detail and really focus down on some of those technologies that might be deployed, as well as the different aspects, whether it's from operations and maintenance to just how are we doing things on the network level. So do feel free to go ahead and ask some questions there, and we will certainly try to address them here. Let's start with the future trends. And what I'd like to start with is the chip shortage of 2021. So it was big news for a lot of consumers and a lot of people knew about it and saw that because you know if they're buying a graphics card for the computer they're building or trying to buy a new car, there is a shortage of chips out there that can lead to that sort of length of time before that car is delivered. And it's not just there. It's also with servers. It's also with everything else. And there's certain priorities, of course, um, that each are are going with and where those chips get distributed and done first. But I'm looking forward to 2022 as being the time that we figure that out. Those big hyperscalers that are doing their own servers and such, they are figuring that out for themselves. But other manufacturers are also figuring that out and how to supply that. If you could start supplying those chips, you're not supplying it just to yourself and your company, you're supplying it to all the other companies out there. So if you think about the cell phone manufacturers like a Samsung and those, if they start producing their own chips and really investing that, then they could start producing those chips for everybody else out there. And it's not, again, just for the cars and such. It has to do with uh, like everything down to a smart refrigerator all the way up to a server. 
all of those have chips in them and we're putting them everywhere. If you remember 10 years ago about the Internet of Things was the big thing that everybody was talking about. Well, we're finally here and now we're facing that chip shortage. So I think 2022, we're going to see that start to be a trend where we're figuring that out. And it's also going to be where we figure that out to support all of that cryptocurrency. And that's where a lot of those chips have been going, right? So they've been soaked up by that industry. That's going to be figured out and try to scale that as well as make it more efficient. Now, because of that chip shortage, we're also seeing a lot of software that supports those chips. We're seeing those chips that basically, you know, are what used to be just like a, a dozen cores. We're going to see 100 cores as being common these days. And what you need to do is have that software that can also support that and that increase that utilization. Because what we're approaching is that limit of Moore's law again. And it's going to be advantageous for those that can figure out how to get the software and the hardware to operate concurrently together as a team. And the big winners are going to be those that can figure out how to do that and get that basically those fast calculations done. And it doesn't necessarily need to be, uh, you know, high precision. It could be low precision, whatever those are. But those times, if you're getting that to be faster, you can get that that efficiency to also be faster because what we're also seeing is a trend in how the servers are performing overall. We've seen a downward trend of the idle processing um, basically start to ramp back up. So if you have an idle server, it starts to use more energy. And that's just because we're starting to see them pack more and more in there. Now, because of that, what we realized and what we've realized for years is let's increase that utilization. So everybody that can increase that utilization, that workload throughout, and we can consolidate that into smaller uh, packages and smaller areas, those kinds of things, that's going to be more advantageous for companies going to the future. What that means overall, if you're looking at an infrastructure, you're looking at more power per square foot or more power per data center, however you want to look at that metric. But we're basically packing in more servers and everything more compute into the box in every box that we're looking at. So that's going to keep trending upward as well. Another trend that we're looking to see is about how the supply chain starts to be more and more integrated with the providers. So if you think about all those different solutions that are being provided by third parties, that might start to be consumed more and more closer to the big operators, those big data centers and such. So if you want to think about that, one of those big ones is uh, Iron Mountain that we covered last month and how they acquired IT Renew. And IT Renew, of course, they decommission, they recycle, they do a lot of different things, which is very positive, especially for the green data center space. And that recycling, of course, is being a big component of sustainability. And Green Mountain is saying, you know what, we are going to launch into that and take that position, not just with owning and operating data centers, but also on that IT life cycle. So they can take that ownership all the way down to the servers themselves, as well as the property. And one of their big things, of course, is security. So they're very big on security. They always have been. So as they're doing all these different things with IT Renew, they're basically doubling down by saying, we're going to invest by acquiring this supplier. We might also see more of that throughout 2022. We saw a little bit of that, and we're going to see as more and more financial backers get into the data center space, they're going to be looking to how to leverage and where to go instead of just launching in and saying that they're going to be a big data center developer and compete on that wavelength. They might 
go ahead and invest in some of the suppliers that we see out there, especially with some of these big technologies that are out there that are being consumed and can't keep up with demand quite yet. We are looking at more and more investors jumping into the data center realm. And that's because those investors are looking where to put their money as far as like a real estate asset. And those can be in data centers or they can be in manufacturers, those kinds of things. But a lot of people understand and they relate to real estate as something they can feel, see, touch, and they know how that real estate investment trust is going to work. If they can figure out a data center real, real estate investment trust that they can go ahead and create and basically aggregate a whole bunch of money together, create a billion dollar group, and then go ahead and explode onto the market like they're hoping to, well, we might see more of that in 2022. And again, it might not just be to say like real estate and data center assets, but just to pick up real estate that has power availability. And that's where the, those real estate investors probably really understand is where the power intersects the availability of real estate with that network and those big markets that are out there. And because of that, that's where those investment companies are probably going to look at first. And knowing where that power is going to be is where they're going to follow probably more and more throughout 2022. So as certain cities are adding 500 megawatts, it's just not enough for certain locations. Like you take Northern Virginia, it is the internet capital of the world because they are adding campuses. 500 megawatts is not a big deal to add in one year. As a matter of fact, they'll do 10 times that amount probably throughout uh, you know the next several years. But the, the idea is they're following the power and where that power availability can be with the land that can be coupled with it. So if somebody is landing a campus with 100 megawatts on it, they can go ahead and say, you know what, we can supply that. We know where that substation is going to be and it's going to be close and the total cost might be less than say something just down the street. That's what those real estate investors are probably going to be aiming for across 2022. Sustainability is still going to be very much in the forefront in 2022. We're seeing that grow according to the different demands by those different technology companies, but we're also seeing regulations and different standards being put in place. The European Union is very much the leader on that, and they've come out with a lot of legislation that's getting basically duplicated or being looked at to be copied around the world. And that's part of that, uh, that energy efficiency directive where they basically are saying, hey, we're trying to get to target a 55% reduction in, in carbon emissions by 2030. And that legislation that they're pushing forward means that you might have a data center with about 500 kilowatts down to that size or even lower, and you might face audits for your energy efficiency on how you're doing. So if you have an old data center that's been sitting there for a while, that is just kind of been, you know, like humming along and you're eventually going to move over to the cloud, maybe this year, maybe next year. But if it's not broken, don't fix it. Well, you might get audited for how that energy efficiency is going. And that can start to push a lot of people to say, you know what, I'm done with this data center or let's go ahead and revamp. Let's figure out what we need to redo, especially if your PUE is not that great. So a lot of operators are looking at that in that digital infrastructure and how they can improve and where the regulation is going to be. Now, the big caveat to that is a lot of these regulators don't know what they're looking at. 
it's very unfortunate, but data centers are very broad as far as how they're designed and operate. So if you go look at a couple different companies and how they're operating their IT and their servers and how they're operating their infrastructure, it's going to be way different, vastly different than others. So if you think about the hyperscale, even those groups aren't operating their data centers. They do not have the same designs. It is not like they're coming to a focal point to agree about how the design and operations of their data centers are going to be done. Each one of them is vastly different. So to think that the regulators can just say, oh, hey, fill out this spreadsheet and make it happen. You have to comply with all these different boxes and check everything. That's not going to go over well, especially you know with those data centers that are older or some of those that are, that are basically cutting edge out there they're using different cooling and uh, you know different technologies think of even using uh you know direct current uh, for your electricity is that out there is that covered what if you decide you know what i've got a tier one data center we don't need to worry about going down we're just here as production on occasion we're doing a few things on the side here that's it well that can face different expectations and to have that as a public audit uh, that can be a little bit misleading, especially for those that are, you know, just more of the lay people that are not necessarily diving into the weeds on how much different things can be efficient, even though it's not operating in a standard way that you might see in the data center market. We're likely to see some other trends that have been continuing on in the industry around like the cloud and cloud computing, um, the edge and edge computing basically looking at serverless functions and how like some of those things can support the blockchain and not just for cryptocurrency right but for other blockchain and implementations there but one of the big things that we're looking at is also ai and cloud computing and seeing how that's playing out because it's got this mutual relationship that it can work together and basically whenever you're trying to have that ai you're basically wielding that in that cloud computing atmosphere so that basically anyone that's using it can have it more like a um, almost like a serverless sort of function where you're paying for what you use and you're using everything to its full capacity and that ai with like those cloud services it'll allow organizations to basically look at, at having cost-effective applications and looking at it in a, in a good way. And that's probably something we're going to see in 2022, basically rolled out more and more to say, hey, here's where your cloud is, but we've got the AI to back it up so that you're really efficient in your deployments that way. And you're paying for what you get. You're not paying for everything and then only using a, a fraction thereof. And along with that, we're going to see, you know, just the rise of a bunch of different cloud platforms, you know, from gaming to hybrid cloud to multi-cloud, those kinds of infrastructures. And by hybrid cloud or multi or however you want to frame that, that definition, what we're meaning is it's going to be complementary to what you're using. So you can have something that's way more accessible front end for quick uh, access and basically on the back end, you can have your private servers with monitored access. So you could do that with that hybrid combination. And therefore, you're basically looking to have that growth past some of those uh, those hurdles or those humps that you might see and figuring out where that can lie, where each can lie. And with the application of that AI, you can start to figure out what needs to be applied and where and when. And that can be very important for businesses moving forward. Another trend, because we mentioned the AI within the data center, how are we supporting that with our cooling? 
And maybe this year, 2022, is where that liquid cooling, whether it's single phase or dual phase cooling in the data center really starts to grow a big time in 2022. We will see there's been articles written about this in the past and about every year somebody comes out with this to say this is the year where it's really going to reach that inflection point. We haven't really seen that and 2022 might not see that either but as some of these groups are looking to deploy AI more and more <clears throat> and as that AI is taking more KW per rack it is inevitable that that is definitely going to be taking place at some point it's just a determination of how much now one of the big players of course is microsoft they've been playing around with water cooling for years and they're starting to go more and more into it especially in their advanced developments uh, and that group and they've been doing a lot with it so far to really figure out how to deploy it at a more scalable fashion and that's where they've started to do this in a greater way, especially as they're looking at that AI and these more dense workloads that we were just talking about earlier. So you can start to see this play out. And as you're looking at the data centers that are coming online over the next year or two, you can say, you know what, those data centers better be able to be flexible enough where you can start to look at what the densities are where you can apply that AI and definitely land a whole bunch of racks to support that AI, those configurations, and to basically support it with that water cooling. So liquid cooling, this could be the year that we start to see this more and more flexibility for that water cooling, that liquid cooling in the data center itself. Now it was mentioned that data centers are likely to get a big support from their suppliers and become more closely married with a bunch of them. One of those suppliers, of course, is power. Where are you getting power from? And that power and the amount of power use has been one of the reasons why cities around the world have restricted data center data center growth. Um, Singapore just lifted a moratorium basically on what they're looking at. Meanwhile, Dublin is implementing a new one, not necessarily all of Ireland, but basically they're just trying to limit where the power is going to be and where it can come from. From this, because of that, the data center world is looking at, well, where are we gonna get our power from? And they start developing microgrids and other energy generation. Now, the problem is, is that can be illegal in a lot of places or just not allowed. Like California, if you do that and you try to become your own utility, you say you have your own fire hydrogen fuel cells on site, and you try to give back to the grid, that kind of thing, they look at it almost as you, if you're competition. So that's one of the things that they're going to limit. Now, it's not to say that they don't want renewable energy sources. As a matter of fact, it's the opposite. They absolutely do. But you have to do that in more intelligent fashion. And microgrids are going to be one of those ways where you can look to pull off power off the utility grid. You can have a lot of energy storage on site but you can also link in your generators, your solar, whatever energy that you might have on a campus, um, your fuel, fuel cells, et cetera. And you can go ahead and establish when that grid is supporting you and also handle crisis and outages and other things a little bit more easily, especially across an entire microgrid. Now, if you want to think of a data center, basically that data center is a microgrid in and of itself. And it's basically acting as a microgrid just for one building. But if we start to put all those buildings together on a same grid, we could start to do other things such as, you know, powering things from other locations, whether it's uh, DC power and you use conversion or AC power from utility. But you're looking to say we can have charging for 
electric vehicles. You can start to do renewable energy projects to support your campuses more directly right on the site, depending on what you're looking at. Sure, it might not power the entire data center, but if you have a bunch of lithium ion batteries or other battery storage, and you're working with either your utility or your energy storage options with your renewables, you could start to interplay how does that affect and when can we offload some of those peaks and do basically more or less peak shaving now that all goes together with where you're getting your power from and what can you anticipate and how you're doing that now all this is basically looking at what's called like a hybrid electricity um, and whenever you're doing that and you have that on a microgrid, you can start to have everything for your net zero, but also you are keeping your reliability of your data center up. And that is one of the big things that we're looking to provide. And as different locations might be facing storms and other things, microgrids, of course, have been really fashionable for a lot of uh, resilient cities that are out there, as well as a lot of uh, different sites that just need to stay online, such as federal facilities doing secret things, those kinds of things. And those microgrids can be very popular and gain a lot of support because it's not new. This is something that's been done for years now, and maybe it's time they start being applied to the data centers themselves. And those data centers, of course, are going to be very interested in how they can use that power, where they can get the power, how they can get everything coupled together in a more universal fashion. That was a lot of trends. Now it's time to switch to some of the news. And one of the things I'd like to start with is Microsoft is switching their fuel type. And this isn't necessarily news that's super big, but they are making more and more investments, not just for themselves, but for others, to use a sustainable fuel. And they're doing that by using a sustainable aviation fuel. And that sustainable aviation fuel, by the way, jet fuel is about the same. Uh, composition and such as diesel fuel it's not too terribly much different and it's very efficient gives you a lot of power for each little drop that you get and because of that Microsoft is looking to develop that sustainably and use that for their diesel generators at their data centers now this isn't the only data center of course that that can be used at most of the data centers that are using diesel fuel this can work for so it's nothing where people need to reinvent things they can go ahead and see what they need to adjust on those generators and make sure that they're within the tolerances which likely they are and then they can go ahead and take this new diesel fuel which is ethanol based by the way and start to apply it there so it is a renewable diesel fuel so that's really good news for the environment going forward. Now there's other news around the European Code of Conduct and it's revamped every year. It was started in 2008, but the new best practices that they have are republished and it keeps growing and getting better and better. And because of that, there's more and more companies that are voluntarily joining. It's not something that's a standard, it's not pushed. But there are other initiatives, uh, such as uh, voluntary initiatives that you can join, such as European Carbon Neutral Data Center Pact. 
And those things all lead and work together. So if you're usually meeting one, you can meet the others. But the EU code of conduct for that energy efficiency, um, it basically wasn't necessarily setting the highest of bars. I think the average was 1.8 PUE-ish. But again, you have to judge against yourself. But the idea is if you're starting to invest or do a new data center, hopefully you're way below that and you're starting to replace a lot of equipment and a lot of operations procedures so that you can be way below what those averages are. But uh, the company I'd like to point out is Digiplex is signing up for that and they're calling this out to say, you know what, this is a, something that we already do. It's not going to make any difference to how we operate as we are right now, but it does get us a little bit closer to doing certain things like ISO 50001. And if you don't recall, the ISO 50001 is an energy management standard. Um, I've helped out with that uh, in the US and devising different programs for that and bringing different companies on board. And it's basically a continuous improvement document. All the ISO documents are saying, how are you doing this on the management? And basically it is leading to get an ISO 50001, an energy management standard that's how this is leading towards and that of course being energy management and trying to meet those goals that meets a lot of what the energy efficiency for digiplex and others are looking to do so once you start looking at this the eu code of conduct the european carbon neutral data center pact and iso 50001 uh, you know a lot of these groups are signing up may as well just sign up for all of them and go after all of them because you probably if you're doing things correctly in your data centers and you have that many data points that you have to report you're going to be doing it the same from one to the next to the next so we're glad to see this in the news as well that digiplex is chasing this down did want to end on looking at the conferences and planning out for the rest of 2022. There are a lot of conferences nationally and locally that you can look to attend, and they usually have chapters that work together. But on the national level, I'm looking forward to 7x24 Exchange, two a year, um, and then AFCOM, Data Center World, looking forward to that. DCD, Data Center Dynamics, has a number around the world that uh, basically pull together in major cities. Um, I Masons is another one looking to see what local chapters and what uh, Dean Nelson is doing. The Green Grid is another where they've been off and on with their different uh, associations and conferences as well. The OCP group just looking to attend and get more involved there. I definitely suggest to see what's happening there given the number of data centers that Meta is looking to do. And then of course there's one in Dallas called DCAC that of course is always a good time. But you've got, you know, Dallas is kind of a, a different tier data center market, but you can go ahead and meet a lot of contacts there. There are other associations such as ASHRAE, IEEE, ECHOBUILD, CLIMA, um, Association of Energy Engineers, that also have their different groups and they have data center tracks as well. Sometimes they're, they're really excellent, brought to you by a lot of the people that are in the industry and are looking at different aspects and how there's intersections between say energy use or sustainability and the data center industry. So I definitely look to all of those to check those out. And all of those big data center conferences are also going to have their own sustainability and energy tracks, as well as other new technologies and other news that, are, that might be coming out for them. At the local levels, there's a lot of different groups, depending on the cities and the different locations. They're going to be very specific depending on where you go. 
For instance, the Northern Virginia area has a lot of data centers, and there are several groups there that you're not going to see in other places, like the Northern Virginia Technology Council. And it doesn't just cover data centers. It covers all sorts of te technology and those companies that are associated with them. Those that design, they build, they make, they create, they do software, they do hardware. They have the people that can supply everything for the data center industry. And that data center and cloud committee that's part of that technology council can definitely be a great place to connect with a lot of people whether online or whether eventually back in person. And there's other groups that are more laid back, like DC Connects, that definitely help out as well. And you can definitely get plugged in with the many, many good people. And you can learn about all these different things where you can volunteer to help out and do community outreach. You can do a lot of things that are going to help around the communities, but also get to know a lot of those people that you might be working with shoulder to shoulder on the next project. And I will say that that's also on the national level and more that regional or localized level. You can go ahead and figure out what you want to go ahead and volunteer and how to help out how to contribute and volunteer to be part of those different groups and get yourself really involved. Plus, you can learn about the different paths that all these different professionals have had through their careers. Where did they start? How did they get to where they're at? What projects did they see? What, did they, what happened through their careers? And some of them are just astounding and exciting just to learn what's happened over the last 20 years in the data center world as well as just over the last couple years as well. So I do urge you to get in contact with them and plan out your your uh, conferences that you're going to attend. Make sure that you can make that happen, whether you're attending virtually. But if you can, see if you can go and spend some time there safely, of course, with each one of these uh, conferences and actually see and pick up a lot of the different things that you might normally have seen even pre-pandemic. And hopefully we'll be able to have conferences as a pretty regular thing going forward too. Thank you for listening to the Green Data Center Podcast. If you have any questions or want to know more, just feel free to reach out at greendatacenterman.com. Also check out the courses there on udemy.com, U-D-E-M-Y.com, and you can see more great content on the site. We've gotten questions to focus on the power and the power mix, how it's done effectively and efficiently, looking all the way up at the plant level, all the way down to the data center chip level, but also on technologies for the air and water cooling. And we're also looking at some of the top cities and markets, so we've got questions about that. But also one of the things I am looking forward to is looking at what that green data center of the month might be. And we hope to provide that in the next couple weeks as well as some of the other technologies that are out there and the latest news. Until next time, thank you for subscribing.